Today we're in week number five. Everybody say week number five. Yes. Yes, we, we, are, we, are, uh, we are pushing the, the limits today. We're going past the four-week normal series, and so we're going into week number five. Actually, I'm going to do one more week next week, and then we'll be finished with this series. But week number five of a series called, He Said What? Everybody say, He Said What? There you go, with the emphasis on what? And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at the words that Jesus spoke when he was on this earth a little over 2,000 years ago. Jesus said some incredible things. If you have a red letter edition Bible, those words that are in red are the words that Jesus spoke. He told stories. He gave examples. He said profound things that really altered people's lives and transformed people's lives. And those words that Jesus said thousands of years ago are still changing and transforming lives today. And I guarantee you, if you will give the Word of God a chance, if you'll give the things that Jesus said a chance and and ask the Holy Spirit, as we're going to do here in a second, to reveal things to you and show you what Jesus was saying, I promise you that it will transform your life as well. And so today we're actually going to be over in the book of John, chapter number 5. We're going to read 15 verses this morning. That way, if the message bombs, at least we will have gotten a lot of word in us this morning. So John chapter number five, if you have your Bibles, uh, open them up. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's the fourth book in the New Testament. If you don't have your Bibles, um, just draw up to a Christian sitting next to you. They should have one. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, Or you can follow along on the screen. John chapter number 5, we're going to read verse 1 through 15. Here's what it says. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, The man who healed me told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Now I want to call your attention back to uh, verse number 6. We're going to read that one more time. And verse number 6 is actually the starting place uh, for this morning's message. It says this, when Jesus saw him, when he saw this sick man, this man who had been sick for 38 years, it says that he knew that he had been ill for a long time, so Jesus asked him this question, would you like to get well? Would you like to get 
well. Now, this is one of those statements, if you think about it, if you think about the condition of this man, he's been sick for 38 years, and Jesus says, would you like to get well? This had to be one of those things to where the, the lame man, this crippled man is saying, what did he just say? He said, what? Really? I've been sick for 38 years and you're asking me if I would like to get well? Have you ever thought about this question that Jesus asked? I mean, why did he ask this question? Is Jesus being funny? Is he, you know, just making light of this man's illness? Is he being sarcastic? I mean, is he like me? Is he, is he being sarcastic even though I'm working on that? I preached on that not too long ago. Um, is, is he being sarcastic? Or does Jesus not know that this guy's been sick and suffering for all these years? Or is he asking this question to get to a deeper issue? Would you like to get well? This is what I want to talk about for the next little while. And, and as I get ready to really dive into this, I'm going to ask that you would pray with me today, not just because we should pray before we hear the Word, but I just want you to pray that, that the Lord would speak to you today. Because I'm here to tell you, I, there's nothing that I can say that can change you. There's nothing that anyone in this room can say that can change you. But I promise you, there is life-transforming power in the Word of God. And as we hear the Word of God today, if your heart is conditioned to receive and your eyes are open to understand, your ears are ready to receive from God, I guarantee you it can have an effect in your life today and you can leave differently than the way that you came in. And you can be whole. You can be, have chains broken in your life. I mean, the Word of God can work in your life today. So let's pray and prepare our hearts as we get ready to receive. Father, we are so thankful for the privilege that we have to hear the Word of God. Lord, I'm thankful that we have Your Word, Lord, that is truth in a world, Lord, where people are, are so hungry for truth. And Lord, they're chasing every myth. They're chasing every idea to try to find substance, try to find something to hold on to. God, but Your Word is steady. God, Your Word is solid. Your Word is truth. And Lord, I just pray that today that as we read this, this story, Father Lord, that, that is recorded in John chapter number 5 about your encounter with this man who was in a desperate situation. God, I pray that we could, we could find something that connects with us and that, that we would be open to what you would speak to us today, that our hearts and minds would be open to you, Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to us and that you would convict us, Father Lord, of things that we need to get rid of in our life and that you would convict us, Father Lord, of how to live a life that's honoring to you. And I pray that those who need to be freed from things this morning would be freed in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for what your word is going to do today. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. In the city of Jerusalem, there was this pool, that's what we're reading about today, this pool called the Pool of Bethesda, and this, this is a body of water with, with large decks and large um, um, porches around it. And these waters were believed to have healing power, if you will, medicinal, am I saying that right, medicinal, medicinal Purpose. I'll just keep to the simple stuff. Healing power. These waters were, were, were believed to, to, to cure you. And it, it was believed that uh, at certain times, I believe these times were random. There was no like appointed times when these waters would bubble or be agitated or be stirred. But it was believed that, 
that when these waters would be stirred or be troubled or bubble up or, or rise or cause some sort of movement, that whoever would get into the waters during those times of being troubled, that those people would be healed. And many of them were. And this was the belief. Now, now I don't know if you noticed this, but um, if you're following along in your Bible, if you have a New Living Translation, I'm sure there's some other translations, but verse number four is not in there. I don't know if you noticed that or not. And, and there's a reason for that. In some of the uh, translations of the Bible, I know the King James Version has this, they will record in verse number four that it was an angel of the Lord that would come down and stir the waters or trouble the waters. However, some of the translations actually leave that out just because scholars say that there was no visible sign of an angel. No one saw an angel. All they saw were the effects of the water. They knew that the water was troubled. And so a lot of them believed that this was just, I mean, it still was by God, I'm sure, but it was this, this maybe this fountain of youth, if you will, these, these waters that would just rise for whatever reason, and people come and, and their minds were right on being healed, and it was just, there were healing that, healings that happened. But nevertheless, the, the point is that, that people were there because they believed that they would be healed by these waters. And so as a result of them believing that they're going to be healed by these waters, these porches and these decks surrounding this pool is covered with a crowd of sick people. I mean, I want you to visualize this. I'm trying to take some time to set this up. You have this pool of water, and all around these decks and porches are just sick people. Blind, crippled, paralyzed, wasting diseases. I mean, just, I mean, just, just imagine... Hundreds probably. I don't know how many were there, but a, a crowd of sick folks just around the waters waiting to be healed. And that's where we pick up this story. Jesus is coming into town and he's coming by this pool and he notices a man who's been sick for a long time. And when Jesus, Jesus noticed this man who'd been sick and suffering for a long time, Jesus asked him this question, would you like to be Healed. Now, now, first of all, before we can even get to that question, we have to keep in mind that the Bible documents how long that this man had been sick. And then that's not just in there just you know, to, to fill up the pages. That's in there to where we can really try to get a grasp on this man's suffering. Now think about that. I, I was trying to think even this morning. I don't know what the longest time I've ever been sick is. I, probably five days maybe to where I was just, you know, sick and didn't feel like getting out of bed and just, ugh, you know, for whatever reason. But here's a man, and I know some of you have gone through a lot longer sickness than that, so, so you can a little bit more relate to this man. But here's a man who's been sick for 38 years. That's like, don't get your calculators out, okay? But that's almost 14,000 days that this man has been sick. Now, let's, before we just read past this quickly, let's, can we just consider the state of mind that this man is in? The misery that he is feeling, the depression that he's feeling, the loneliness that he's feeling, the lack of hope that he has. I mean, he, he's probably lost all reason for living at this point. This is what his life looks like every single day. He's sick. 38 Years he's been sick and suffering, yet someone has the audacity to ask him, 
Would you like to get well? <laughs> now think about that. If I've been sick for, 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 for two days and, and I go to the doctor and the doctor says, would you like me to help you? You know, I'm, I'm no, nah, doc, I'm just, you know, I really like throwing up all the time. I really like this. I really like that. I mean, think about this. Can you, can you imagine what this man was feeling when he was asked this question, would you like to be healed? What a foolish question to ask. Or was it? You know, I don't believe that Jesus ever asked a foolish question. Not once do I believe he asked a foolish question. So to ask this man this question meant that there was a deeper meaning. I don't believe when Jesus asked this man, would you like to be healed? I don't believe he was looking for a simple yes or no answer. I believe when Jesus asked this man if he wanted to get well, he wanted this man to internalize and consider the responsibilities and expectations that came along with being made whole. He wanted this young man to think about the responsibilities that would now come along with him being able to walk. Now think about this. Just go with me for a second. Because if Jesus heals this man, he's going to have to adjust and adapt to a new way of living. If Jesus heals this man, he's going to have to take on some responsibility. If Jesus heals this man, he's going to be expected to do more than what he's doing right now. If Jesus heals this man, he won't be able to come to this pool anymore and hang out with his friends. If Jesus heals this man, people aren't going to be carrying him around anymore and taking care of him anymore. If Jesus heals this man, he's going to have to become more independent. Are y'all with me so far? If Jesus heals this man, his excuse for complaining about how bad life is is going to be eliminated. That's why Jesus said, do you really want to be healed? I'm, I'm kind of adding into this, but I, I, this is how the way the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. Jesus is asking this man, because this man is going through all the right motions. He's been going you know, 38 years. If he's been going that long, he's been sick for 30 years, but he's been going to this pool for a long time. Jesus asking this question, do you, do you really want to be healed? Because I can heal you if you want to be healed. But you're going to have to take on some responsibility, and you may not like the responsibilities that come with this new life. You may not like the expectations that are put upon you when you're made whole. See, my first point is this. I want to put this on the screen for you. Sometimes our biggest disease isn't what appears in our bodies, but rather what resides in our hearts. Sometimes our biggest disease isn't what appears in our bodies, but, what, but rather what resides in our hearts. Would you like to get well is a much harder question to answer when it's applied to my spiritual well-being. I might have to change. I might have to give up my excuses. I might have to adapt to a different lifestyle. I might have to give up blaming other people for my problems. I might have to take some responsibility for my own condition. You know, over the years, I have met with, with several people, counseled with, with several people who had issues. And by the way, we all have issues, okay? So I'm not singling anyone out, but 
I've met with people and counseled people who had issues who, who honestly, they, they didn't want to get well. Now, they didn't tell me that verbally, but their unwillingness to commit to some changes that we talked about spoke louder than what their words may or may not have said. There are some people who just, they, they beg and beg and beg for help. They beg and beg and beg that their life would be different. But when it comes down to where the rubber meets the road and you start talking about responsibility, you start talking about having to let some things go, their actions or their unwillingness to commit to a plan of action speaks that they really don't want to be helped. They really don't want to be made whole. They say it with their unwillingness to change some habits. They say it with their unwillingness to let go of things that are contributing to the sickness. And when I talk about sickness this morning, I'm not just talking about physical sickness. I'm talking about even emotional sickness or spiritual sickness or relational sickness. Not too many years ago, probably about five years ago, I had a young man um, sit in my office who had a, had a drug problem. And uh, this drug problem was contributing to all sorts of problems. His marriage was falling apart. He couldn't hold down a job. I mean, his life was just, it was a mess. And uh, he asked if he could meet with me. Of course, my door is always open for people who want to meet. And, and uh, I sat and met with him in this first initial visit. And he was telling me about his life story and told me all these things and told me that he was there today because he wanted to get help. And uh, so, you know, obviously we talked for a little while and then I gave him... A, a, a plan of action to implement. Some homework, if you will. I, I wanted to see how serious he was about getting help. Gave me some things. It wasn't a lot of stuff to do, but it was just something to do that I, to show me that I knew that he was serious about changing. That he really wanted some help. So I gave him a plan of action, and I even told him, I said, listen, I'm willing to meet with you. I'll give you one hour every single week. We'll set up a, a standing appointment. He was like, yeah, man, I want to do this. I want to get help. Thank you, Pastor Scott. On the third session, we're just three weeks into it. On the third session, he comes into the office and uh, I ask him, hey, so how'd your assignments go this week? And, and he had not done any of the things that I had prescribed to him the previous week. And he's tried to give me these excuses as to why he hadn't done them. And I just stopped him right there and I said, listen, you're not really serious about changing. And until you get really serious about changing, these meetings are a waste of time. And I wasn't trying to be rude, I wasn't trying to be harsh, but I was trying to get to the point that you can't help someone who really doesn't want to be helped. They've got to want to get help. And, they, and I mean to the point, not to where they're just showing up for an appointment. I'm talking about they're willing, they're taking notes, they're writing it. Whatever that you tell them to do, they're going to do it. They really want to get help. Until they reach that point, they can't be helped. You've got to be willing to, 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 for, to, for, to change. You've got to be willing to implement some things. He wasn't willing to wake up in the mornings and, and do a devotional. He wasn't willing to, to, to change the way that he was treating his wife. He wasn't willing to do some things and come to find out, really, I got down to it, really the only reason that he was there was because his wife told him he needed to come and talk to me. So really he was there to try to you know, appease her or to you know, try to make things right there. He wasn't really wanting to change. 
Now he's, he's lost his marriage, he's lost his family. Never scheduled another appointment again. There's a lot of people that are in those, those same shoes today. They say they want help, but they're not really willing to accept the responsibility that comes along with getting help. They're not really willing to make that commitment to change. You see, for this young man, the drugs were his way of dealing with rejection. It was his way of dealing with inadequacy. It was his way of dealing with emotional hurt. And to him, this process of changing was too difficult. It was a lot easier to take a pill than to endure the painful process of change. I'm just here to tell you right now, and you know this, if you've ever tried to lose weight, you know it's not easy to change. It's not easy to, 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 to change your, 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 the way that you eat and the things that you're eating. It's not easy to get up and go to the gym. You're going to be tired and you're just like, man, this, it's too painful. There's a lot of people who's addicted to drugs or uh, addicted to, to all sorts of things and that they want to get help, but they're really not willing to endure the painful process of change. It's much easier to, to, to take a pill or to inject a needle or to snort a line or drink a fifth. It's much easier to do that than it is to endure the painful process of change. I love this quote by Tony Robbins. He says this, and many of you have heard this, change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. In other words, yes, it's going to be painful to change. And you're never going to get to the place where you're willing to change until that pain of staying the way that you are becomes greater than that pain of wanting to change. Many people today don't really want to be healed because being healed might mean losing their disability check and having to go to work. I'm just going to preach this morning, okay? Many people today don't want to be healed because being healed might mean having to let go of dependency on others. Being healed might mean having to find something else to blame for why your marriage is failing. Being healed might mean losing the pity and the attention that you're currently getting from people around you. So the question is, do you want to be healed? Do you really, really want to be healed? Because a lot of people are wanting God to do things, but they're not willing to accept the responsibility to change. Did you know that, and this, this, is, this, is, I mean, this message was eye-opening to me. When God was speaking to me on this, I'm like, man, this is so good. I hope I can deliver it. I hope I can do it justice the way that God has given it to me. Because, man, this message, it speaks to all of us. This is not just people who we could think of, oh, yeah, that's, but Pastor Scott is really speaking to them today. It speaks to all of us. See, some people this morning are, are praying and believing God for their spouse to get sober. But what are you going to blame your unhappiness on when your spouse gets sober? You see that, once again, our, our sickness is not always what uh, appears in our physical bodies, but our sickness rather is what's residing in our hearts. Many of our deepest prayers, we have a slide for this, if you could put that up. Many of our deepest prayers to God have a price in their answer. I want you to think about this. Many of our desperate prayers to God have a price 
in their answer. Getting a physical healing may require a willingness to go back to work. Can I just, I, I just want to touch on this. I, I, I have known at least two people who, and I'm, you know, listen, I'm not a judge by no means, okay? I know, that I know this is, I, I know I am treading on thin ice right here. I'm trying to, to tread lightly and be careful. I don't want to upset or hurt anyone's feelings, but I've known people who were drawing a disability check who said they wanted to be healed, but when it came down to it and, you, and you're praying for them and you're asking them, are you ready to make some changes in your life? They weren't willing to do that. Because getting healed mean, meant losing that check. Are you out there this morning? Are you hearing me? Many of our desperate prayers to God have a price in their, in their answer. Getting sobriety may come at the price of losing your friends. Getting out of debt may require changing, and it will require changing how you handle your money. Getting freedom from pornography may require eliminating all internet accessible devices. You hear it all the time. People say, man, I'm struggling in this area, okay? Well, have you canceled your internet? Have you canceled, have you got you a dumb phone? Have you put, put, taken off the password off of, your, off of your phone? Have you gave your wife access to look at your phone? Well, no, you know, we really... No. Come back when you're serious. Come back when you're serious about changing. The point is this, if you really want to get help, if you really want to get well, you've got to be willing to make some lifestyle changes. You've got to be willing to accept some responsibility that comes along with that new way of living. You've got to be willing to, to have some expectations put upon you now. You cannot help someone. I can't stress this enough. You cannot help someone who doesn't want to be helped. I'm not saying, well, you know, they're telling me that they want to be helped. Anyone can tell you that. But when it comes down to counseling, when it comes down to one-on-one, -on -one, when it comes down to accountability, do they have a willingness to go through with what you're saying? Do they have a willingness to do the things that you're assigning? Are they showing you by their behavior that they are really committed to change? I want to make a bold statement right here. As if some of these other things I've said have not been bold, but... If you're praying prayers for healing this morning, if you're praying prayers for, for, for sobriety, if you're praying prayers for deliverance, but you're not willing to adapt to a lifestyle that is necessitated by those things, then God's not even listening to your prayer. He's, he's not even listening. He's saying God doesn't want to heal me. Absolutely God wants to heal you. Absolutely God wants to free you. But if you're praying those prayers, but your lifestyle still reflects that that you're kind of liking laying around the pool with all the other sick folk, then God's not listening. An entire crowd of sick people visualize this. I, I, just, I, I, I just see it, all these sick people gathered around talking about how bad that life is. That's their routine. Whether, whether they're brought there every day, whether they just spend the night there, I don't know what that looks like. But I just see all of these sick folk talking about how bad that, that life is. They all have the same thing in common. They're all sick. They're all wishing life would be better. So we have an entire crowd of sick people surrounding this pool and only one of them, have you ever noticed this? Only one of them was approached and healed by Jesus. Only one. Perhaps... He was the only one with the willingness to accept the responsibility that came along with being made whole.
perhaps. So Jesus asked him, would you like to be well? His response is, I want to. He says, I can't. I don't have the strength to to, to get in the pool. But what he's really saying is, I want to be made well, but I, I can't. I don't have the strength to get myself to the water. So Jesus says this to him in verse number eight. Jesus says, stand up. Think about this. I mean, just the craziness of the words that Jesus has said. Here's a man that's, he hadn't walked in 38 years. And Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. The very first thing that Jesus says for this man to do is something that this man has been unsuccessfully uh, attempting to do for the last 38 years. Oh, I never thought about that, Jesus. Let me try that. But Jesus tells him to do something that he hasn't been able to do, something that he has tried over and over and over, something that his friends have tried to help him to do. For years and years and years, Jesus tells him to do that thing. Maybe that Jesus told him to do this because he wanted him to realize that this wasn't going to happen in his own strength. It wasn't going to happen because of the strength of his friends. It wasn't going to happen through some 12-step program. But it was only going to happen if this man put his faith in Jesus alone. In Christ alone. Well, what does this mean for you and me today? It means that the answers that you and I are looking for, all the answers that you and I are looking for, are found in Jesus. More specifically, they're found in the Word of Jesus. They're found in the Word of God. They're found in His Word. And as we read it, watch this. Some of the things that it tells us to do aren't going to make sense. For example, the Word of God may tell you to walk when you haven't been able to walk in 38 years. The Word of God may tell you to keep going up the mountain even though you don't even know where the sacrifice is going to come from. The Word of God may tell you to put your nets on the other side of the boat even though you've been fishing all day long and haven't caught a thing. The Word of God may tell you to give to those in need and be generous with your money even while you're trying to get out of debt. (laughs) The Word of God may tell you to be anxious for nothing even though the world has flipped upside down. It's not always going to make sense. But the point that Jesus was making was that our faith must be solely in Him. These other things that I mentioned, I'm not knocking 12-step programs. I think those things can be good. I think your friends helping you out, those things can be good. I think, you know, having the, the, the strength to do things on your own, I think those things can be good. But we have to remember that if we really want to be made whole, that, that faith in ourselves, faith in a recovery program, or faith in our friends is not going to cut it. That our faith has to truly, solely be in Jesus. Jesus tells this man, stand up. And when this man heard Jesus say, stand up, you know, there's no recording there. He didn't, he didn't debate with Jesus. He didn't, but wait a second, Jesus. Don't you think I've tried to do that? I mean, he just, Jesus said, stand up. The Bible says that the man stood up. When he heard Jesus say, stand, he believed that it was possible. 
And he stood. He heard the word of Jesus. He believed what Jesus said. So he stood. When we hear the words of Jesus, when we read the words of Jesus, our circumstances may tell us it's not possible, but with God, all things are possible. This is what the word of God says. This is what I'm going to stand on. The young man, he stood. Jesus could have simply healed the man. Just healed him right where he was. But if he would have never known that he was well without the want to to stand up. Think about that. I mean, Jesus could have healed him, but if he didn't have the want to to stand, he would have never known that he had been healed. Meaning that Jesus can provide healings to all of us in, in multiple ways. I mean, you, you read the Gospels. He healed everyone differently. Some people he healed. He spit in the mud and, and put it on their eyes. Some people he put their fingers in their ears and, and told them to go wash. I mean, just all kinds of different ways. Jesus could heal all of us, provide healing in lots of ways, but we have to provide some want to. We had to provide some want to. And Jesus, he didn't stop with stand up and walk. Then he said, this is very important. He told the man, pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. This is very important because if he leaves, watch this, if he leaves the mat there, he's got a reason to go back. So, so really what Jesus was saying, watch this, is make no provision for relapse. Take up your mat. Take up your mat. In other words, go home and pour out the alcohol. Well, you, yeah, I'm just going to keep this just in case I'm having a bad day. <laughs> you know how we are. Jesus is saying, you've got to take up your mat. Because if you leave it there, you're going you're to be tempted to go back. You're going to be tired. Your, your, your knees may hurt one day, and you're going to think, you know what, I, I got that mat back there at the, at the pool of Bethesda. I, I probably should go back and lay down a while. He says, pick it up. Make no provision for a relapse. Pour out the alcohol. Get rid of the weed. Stop hanging out in places that are conducive to trouble. Say no to the friends who've been luring you into evil. Cut off any possibility of going back. See, I hear some amens. I think some of you know how truthful what I'm telling you is. I've prayed for people that, that may have had lung, lung cancer and just, just felt that, that God was telling me to say something. If I missed it, then I missed it. I don't think I've lost anything, but if I missed hearing from God, I missed it. But praying for them and, you know, they, they come, they're experiencing cancer or experiencing some sort of lung condition, and God just says, ask them if they're willing to stop smoking. And did you know that, that some of them, they just want to be healed. They're not, they don't want you to, to get into their, their personal life. They just, they just want to be healed. But they're not willing to make the necessary. They're not willing to let go of the things that are contributing to their sickness. And they couldn't say yes to that. And so I'm like, I, I don't know what you want me to pray. Are y'all hearing me this morning? If you're not willing to make change, if you're not willing to go home and lay those things aside, you're not willing to throw those things, well, what if I may need them one day? You've got to have faith in Jesus that He's going to help you. But you've got to, you got to have the want to. That God, I'm going to depend on you. I know this isn't going to be easy. I'm going to have withdrawals. I'm going to want to go back. But God, I'm going to stand on your word. I'm going to trust in what you've told me to do. You've got to burn the bridges. You've got to cut all ties with 
the possibility of going back. It's my last point here. Put it on the screen for us. I'm going to close with this. If you're serious about change, you have to be willing to take up your mat. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta be willing to burn those bridges. Well, what if it costs me my friends? Man, you, you gotta be willing to make new friends. I believe this morning that Jesus is asking many of us the exact same question that he asked this man with this wasting disease thousands of years ago. He's asking you and I today, do you want to get well? And I know that when we hear that on the surface, our answer is immediate. Of course. Of course. Yes, are you crazy, Scott? Of course I want to get well. But when Jesus is asking that to us, just like he asked to this man who's been, who's been coming to this pool for 38 years, the question is deeper than just a surface question. The question is to be answered in your heart. This is a soul-searching question. I mean, so just think about what, whatever it is that you need to be healed from right now, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, maybe you're addicted to something. But this, is a, this is a soul-searching question. Do I really want freedom from this? Do I really want help in this area? Do I really want to be made do I really want to be made whole? Am I willing to accept the responsibilities that come along with this healing? Am I willing to eliminate all internet accessible devices so that I can get free from this addiction to pornography? Am I willing to let go of the relationships that are toxic so that I can have sobriety? These are, ask yourself these questions. Am I willing to forgive those who've wronged me so that my heart can be healed and I can experience breakthrough? Am I willing to go to marriage counseling and sign up for small groups so that I can be the man or the woman that I'm supposed to be and so that my marriage can be salvaged? Am I willing to do that? If your answer this morning is no, not yet, I, I, I'm not ready. I'm just going to tell you, there's no hope for you. Not until you make up your mind, yes, I'm willing to do that. I, I, I can't help you. Even Jesus himself can't help you. You've got to have the want to. But if your answer is yes, and you truly mean it, it's going to be accompanied, listen, it's going to be accompanied by some want to. It's going to be accompanied by some willingness. It's going to be accompanied by some discipline implementation. I mean, there's, there, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting things to change. There's got to be some disciplines that are implemented in your life. There's got to be some walls that are built. Pastor Brad, there's got to be some walls that are torn down. There's got to be some friends. We've got to say, listen, I, I'm just making some changes in my life. I'm sorry if they may not include you, but this is just, I've got to work on me. Scott, that's going to be painful. It is going to be painful. It is going to be painful. But it's going to be painful to stay the same as well. It's going to be painful to remain in the condition that you're in as well. And when that pain of staying the same becomes greater than that pain of change, then you'll say, I'm ready to change. 
would you like to be made whole? I want you to close your eyes this morning and, and bow your heads as, as we wrap up this message this morning. I want to ask them to put some music on back there, please. Dim the lights. And if our, if our prayer team could come to the front, just prepare yourselves to be ready. This is a, this is a tough message this morning. The reason I say it's a tough message this morning is not just because that, you know, well, that's, you know, it's hard to receive, but, but more than just being hard to receive this, the, the initial hearing of the word, you, you're realizing, you're, you're internalizing and you're considering right now the responsibilities that, that come with what you're believing God for. This is why Jesus asked this man, do you really want to get well? Because I can heal you if you want to get well, but that healing may require change. That healing may require accepting responsibility. That healing may require some new expectations. And I'm so thankful that the Word of God tells us that this man was willing to accept those responsibilities. You know what? And I, did, I didn't even include this, but we read it. Did you know after Jesus walked away and when Jesus came back and found him, you know where this young man was when he found him? He was in the temple praising, praising God. I'm our journey to wholeness is a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong process. There's not something that's going to happen today that you're going to be good for the rest of your life. We have to implement disciplines every single day. We got to choose this day who we're going to serve. And I'm so thankful today that God's not finished with me, that He's still working on me. I'm a work in progress. <laughs> He still has patience with me. He still has love for me. He's still making me new. His mercies are new every single morning. And I'm so thankful that when I fall down, that God whispers in my ear and say, Scott, that's not really who you are. Get back up. I have better things for you. I have a whole life in front of you. I have healing in front of you. I have great plans for you. So I'm telling you that this morning because I want you to know that there's no magic wand that's going to be waved over you this morning that you're going to walk back to your seat and everything is going to be fixed and everything is going to be well. This is a lifelong journey that you're on. But you're showing God today that I mean business. I really want help. I really want to be made whole. Lord, if you say walk, even if I don't think I can walk, I'm going to do my best to walk. God, if you tell me to cast my nets on the other side, even though I'm tired of fishing, God, I'm going to cast my nets on the other side because I want to be made whole. If you're here this morning, whatever situation that you find yourself in, if you need to surrender to Jesus, if you feel like that, that, that you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to accept Him as your Savior today, this altar is open for you. If there's some addictions in your life, you don't have to disclose what they are. No one's going to judge you. All of us have some sort of addiction, all some sort of a stronghold that we wrestle with. If there's something that you need freedom from in your life and you've been trying to get help, the Holy Spirit is calling you right now. Come, get help. Take that first step. Rise, stand up. Take up your mat and walk. Whatever that it is that you need freedom from this morning, whatever that it is that you need healing for this morning, I want you to come. Get up out of your seat and come. Come on, I know I'm speaking to at least three people this morning. This is your opportunity to get up off the porch, to get up off the deck, to walk away from the crowd of sick people, to walk away from that identity and embrace this new identity. Embrace this new lifestyle. Walk. 
Come on, walk. Come to the front. Well, what, if, what are people going to say about me? You know what? I, I bet this lame man that, that, or that was crippled for 38 years, I bet he, could, he, he didn't care at all what people thought about him. Come. Y'all gather around this couple here and begin to pray. Come. Come.